You're listening to the Psychedelic Invest Podcast, where we speak with founders, CEOs, investors, advisors, experts, and thought leaders in the brave new world of psychedelics and entheogenic medicines. Brought to you by Psychedelic Invest, bringing you unparalleled psychedelic investing data and analysis. Psychedelic Invest is the industry's leading resource for those looking to invest in the burgeoning psychedelic industry. For more information and to access all of the podcast episodes, check out our website at psychedelicinvest.com slash podcast. And now here's the host of the Psychedelic Invest podcast, Bruce Eckfeld. Welcome everyone. This is the Psychedelic Invest podcast. I'm Bruce Eckfeld. I'm your host. Our guest today is Matthew Helt. He is a growth and development coach and working on integration and kind of exploring this industry of psychedelics. Uh, I'm excited for this conversation to kind of see where are we really in terms of developing professionals that can work with psychedelics and work with the psychedelic process, therapy process, and particularly around this kind of idea or this process of integration. We talk a lot about it. We talk about the importance and how it's really needed to really make this work or to really help get the most out of a psychedelic experience, psychedelic uh, assisted therapy experience, and really kind of make it stick and, and really have impact on people's lives. Matthew's been in this space for a little while, is working on the whole integration piece. I'm excited to kind of hear how he's seeing it, how he's navigating, what he's seeing both from how the process is going to work from a patient point of view, but also from an industry point of view, and talk a little bit about how do we build an industry, how do we create an industry that has the right people and the services for people that are interested in psychedelic-assisted therapy. So with all that, Matthew, welcome to the program. Thanks, Bruce. It's uh, I'm absolutely honored to be here with you. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. So before we get into kind of the work today and psychedelic integration and stuff, let's get a little bit of background. How did you get into the work that you're doing? What was your personal experience? Give us a little background. Yeah. So for me, I came to this, you know, what I'd like to say is I came to this over 20 years ago. <laughs> and it's been an unfolding process, even though I didn't actually take any of the substances for a variety of reasons, but mm -hmm. it was very much something that I just did a deep dive into. And that all happened around the time or after mm -hmm. I went through a mental health crisis. So in my mid-20s, I got the, the bright idea of trying to get over my fear of skydiving mm -hmm. by going skydiving, learning how to do that. So I went through the training, came out of that experience, and essentially with mental, like it triggering a two year long period of mental illness. I had a panic attack in midair that led to me having multiple panic attacks a week, which then increased my OCD. So there was this kind of stair stepping yeah. that happened in, in terms of symptoms. Um, ultimately it culminated with me going to the hospital two years in, and then after that, a three year heal healing process. Yeah. So that in, you know, you, kind of the, the medications you know of, SSRIs, okay. therapy, and then also mindfulness. And around that same time, I became aware of the work of Daniel Pinchback. He wrote a book called Breaking Open Your Head. And that was my first introduction into the world of psychedelics okay. and their, their uh, efficacy uh, in treating mental illness. And still not a lot was known. I think there was, you know, as we all know, a lot of research done in the 60s and 70s before it was shut down. But there was kind of this bubbling that things were reemerging back then. So fast forward, you know, a couple of decades, continued to read as much as I could about the space, what was available. 
for me, what I, you know, that, that barrier was the fact that I was on an SSRI uh, <laughs> for you know, 21 years. And so I never felt I could take the leap. It wasn't until I started to get certified in coaching. So I am a growth and development coach. I work primarily with startup founders and CEOs. <laughs> but uh, going through the process of certification, I met a person who had done a lot of work in this space. And so she introduced me. She kind of held my hand as we, you know, as I moved forward, like, okay, is this a possibility for me now? Her name's Cara Tremaine. <laughs> and we, you know, it came to the point where I decided, yeah, this is for me. I had done enough research. Everything that I'd read said that it was, it would be safe for someone like me. <laughs> so I did my full, first psilocybin journey in a group setting. And it was, you know, the stereotypical 20 years of therapy in one night, <laughs> that kind of story. Yeah. Um, and coming out of it, I was absolutely amazed by the power of plant medicine, that these substances can induce that kind of level of consciousness for, your, for me to access deeply held traumas that through traditional therapy, I actually thought I got over. Yeah. But there was this lingering like, oh, there's something still there. I just can't see behind the curtain and the, the medicine, it opened the curtain and showed me what I needed to deal with. And so, yeah, that kind of led me to explore this uh, and then get into actually take the step of enrolling in a program to become a certified integration coach. It seemed like that dovetailed really well with my current coaching practice. You know, I've got to the level of PCC certified coach. I'm a presence-based certified coach approaching 1100 hours. So I feel like I've, you know, had enough experience with the coaching piece that I could introduce this. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at right now. Yeah. So many questions. I mean, let me go back to the, to the kind of your sort of research decision-making process. I mean, what, what was on the table for you or what, what, what were the kind of things you were pondering or research or questions that you were trying to answer with the research? Like, when you kind of were introduced to the idea of psychedelic assisted therapy or psychedelic experiences as a kind of therapeutic process, given that I'm just in general, I'm curious what your questions were, the things that you're you're trying to figure out, and then specifically with the, you know, your experience or, you know, having been on SSRIs for quite some time, <laughs> like what what were the issues there? Like give us a little bit of a map of what you were trying to figure out to make that decision for yourself. Yeah. Well, first and foremost, it was around safety. <laughs> um, having gone through what I went through in my mid-20s, I was really hesitant to do yeah. anything that could potentially upset that. Yeah. Um, I feel very fortunate that with my particular illnesses, <laughs> um, you know, I was both diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder and OCD, that those were very manageable with medication. Uh -huh. uh, in fact, very low levels of medication. So safety was always top of mind. And then when I, you know, read stories about on the safety side, safety as in kind of the sort of toxicology of the medicine or the risk of exacerbating or potentially re reinducing kind of the trauma or the experience that you, know, you had? Like, was this kind of pharmacology safety or was this more kind of psychological safety? I would say both. Both. Okay. Yeah. First, it was my own psychological safety. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to do anything that would uh, disrupt my brain chemistry and then get me back into the point where, you know, I'm having daily panic attacks and my oh, OCD is yeah. out of control. Totally you know, understand I didn't that. Wanna, yeah. Didn't want to yeah. do anything to, to mess with that. 
And then also the more that I read about these different substances, knowing the contraindications that it actually can be very harmful. An SSRI should not be combined with an MAOI inhibitor. And so that, and, and that was kind of like for a long time, the depth that I could get. There wasn't a lot that I was reading about psilocybin and, and pathogens and under, other entheogens. It <laughs> was mostly just like a lot of what I could get my hands on was around ayahuasca. And then I wasn't aware of the power of psilocybin and probably until about five, six years ago. I don't know if I just wasn't looking in the right places, but there was, you could just feel it. There was a lot of information coming up through, you know, not mainstream media, but other outlets. And then it started to bubble up into mainstream media too. Mm -hmm. uh, the work that MAPS is doing, that Johns Hopkins is doing. So really started to follow that. And then my attention, I would say, switched probably two or three years ago that, okay, psilocybin seems like it could be the pathway for me. Then it came down to a point of accessibility. I live somewhere. I live yeah. in Omaha, Nebraska. We're a very no, not, red... Not exactly the psychedelic capital of the world. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You know, so you hear about people getting quote unquote shrooms, but that's not what I yeah, wanted. What yeah. I wanted was that therapeutic setting. Yeah. And so, yeah, to your question, both were really important to me as I tried to navigate through this. Yeah. Any, I guess, any big surprises or revelations? I mean, I guess going into that, any assumptions that you held or beliefs that you held that I guess had to work through or that you were on the face of it, the research was saying one thing, but that didn't fit. And or I guess where, how did that process go? Was it easy and natural? And it was like, oh yeah, it all makes sense. Or was there, was there some consternation in that process for you? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a, everything that I was reading was a very controlled setting, you know? So the watch videos or read things from Johns Hopkins, you know, it was, a, it was a trial, so it's very clinical. And that didn't quite feel right for me. So I didn't know where to go. Where do I go from here? Do I, do I try to, you know, because honestly, I was in a point where I don't feel like I was suffering. It was, I know I need a little bit more healing. This seems to be the thing that's going to unlock it for me. I don't qualify for trials. Yeah. So, you know, like, how do I go about this? And it didn't feel like, because this couldn't be really out in the open. I didn't find much information of like, oh yeah, just go do this, go here. It's a trusted source. You'll be fine. Yeah. So, you know, no obvious, no, yeah. no obvious path. So, and, and then how did you kind of navigate, I guess, what was the process for finding, you know, a program, a process, you know, you said you, your, your experience was a group, a group setting, like yep. how, how did that play out? What did, like, I guess, what was that like for you, both in terms of preparation and then the experience itself? Yeah. So when I made the decision to go ahead and do it, unfortunately it was still, it, it still is very yeah. underground. Yeah. Uh, the laws in Oregon hadn't gone into effect. So I had to still find an underground resource uh, to mm -hmm. do this with. Uh, then it became a question of trust. Do I trust yeah. this person to facilitate? Do they have uh, everything that it takes to to handle that? Yeah. So once I said, yep, I'm going to do this, I was introduced to that person, was told all about this is what's going to happen, this is you know the dosage that we take, uh, this is how you're supported. Mm -hmm. uh, set and setting, very, very important. Um, and on top of set, uh, set setting, that third S, support. What does that look like? Mm -hmm. So it, it was important to feel held, uh, that it was a good container. Uh, should something come up that would be very difficult to deal with, 
uh, how was how were the people around me prepared to handle that mm -hmm. uh, and help usher me through it so yeah i made that decision signed up paid the fee and then uh flew to an undisclosed <laughs> location yeah <laughs> and uh partook in that uh, ceremony and yeah. i would say that the the preparation for it was pretty minimal okay. it was more around assessment okay. um you know asking questions uh you know, make sure I didn't have any troubling uh, psychological issues, yeah. you know, yeah. bipolar. Yeah. yeah. And uh, also medical, uh, yeah. doing a medical assessment. My heart was healthy enough and <laughs> that I could handle that. And then once it was uh, determined that I was good to go, I was invited to participate. Uh, there wasn't much conversation before the ceremony itself. <laughs> so I went in. But, I, you know, again, I had a really good guide in my friend. Uh, she was able to really explain her having done it several times with this group, but to expect this is how it'll play out over the evening. There's integration session in the morning and then you're on your way. Yeah. Uh, so. Absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about how that experience, like what do you think that experience did for you, right? From a, uh, do you feel it was more you know, kind of neuroplasticity, like your neuro, like actually changing pathways and neurotransmission and things like that? Do you feel like it was more kind of psychological and the experience and processing of the ideas and the things that came up and the emotions? Like, where's your kind of assessment uh, reflection on the experience and what it did and how it impacted you and how that led to, you know, changes for yourself? Yeah, great question. I don't know about like the neuroplasticity. I think that there's something there. Uh, I don't. I don't know if I could point to anything yeah. particular. But for me, what I later learned as I was going through the process the next day, top, top, you know, going through integration, that what I experienced on psilocybin, and I'll, I'll, you know, this was four grams of okay. psilocybin yeah. plus a heart opener, and the heart opener was 135 milligrams of MDMA sure. that we took at the very beginning. Yeah. Yeah, somewhat um, of a standard protocol. Yep, yep. And, you know, as the ex the experience unfolded for me, I had what they call spiritual recapitulation. <laughs> so I remembered a very vivid traumatic event from the time I was four years old. <laughs> uh, this particular event involved my father. <laughs> um, I was pretending to be, in, in what was amazing, I think the other, what do they call abreactive. So bringing up, a memory and forcing you to look at that memory. So I'll back up just a second here. As you know, I, my intention was I need to pull back the curtain. Yep. What's behind that I can't see? The medicine answered me pretty quickly into the process and, and showed that I was actually on the other side of the curtain, that I had ah, everything I needed. You know, I could see myself. Okay. I was smiling and it's, you know, it was just this message of you have everything you need to take on this work tonight. And I said, okay, all right. And that really put me at ease. Well, the very first thing that came up, it said, you know, it pulled me away from the group, said, you need to go sit over there by yourself, uh, which I did. And then I re-remembered this trauma I experienced at four years old. I was pretending to be a kitty. I was licking up milk out of my cereal bowl. My dad asked me to stop. I did not stop. And he reached across the table and he hit me. Mm -hmm. And that, I didn't realize it, but that has sat with me my entire life. Yeah. And so it caused me to look at it. And it actually, in the spiritual recapitulation, I re-remembered the incident as a samurai. And I don't know why my brain picked samurai, 
or the medicine did, but I was a warrior. And so I re-remembered the trauma uh, where he, he went to hit me and it deflected off of my helmet. And I was able to look at him and say, you can't hurt me anymore. Whoa. Fascinating. And so that's how I remember it now. Yeah. Whenever I think about that trauma. Yeah. So, and that for you was kind of a healing process that allowed you to kind of recontextualize that trauma in a way that I, I guess changed the impact it had on you. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. There were, there were some other things that happened. So that, you know, I, I kind of dealt with that then the medicine in a way lets you go and mm -hmm. you go back and you're with the group and you're talking. And then there were other things that would pull me away and say, okay, now you got to deal with this. And so issues with my stepfather, yeah. um, I worked through those. It didn't just like these episodes throughout the night as it progressed. And then yeah. at the end of the night, it kind of put a bow on everything and said, okay, you've been holding on to this guilt because my mother told me that the reason she decided to leave my dad was when he hit me. She could take him hitting her. She could not take him hitting me. Hey. And so subconsciously, I was I kind of blamed myself for their divorce. Yeah. And I was able to free myself from that and say, it would have happened anyway. That was a moment, but it wasn't what caused their divorce. I wasn't the reason. Yeah. And so the amount of weight that just lifted off of my body and I would say even my soul coming out of it was like, there is something to this. How do I get involved in it? How do I help others come to this medicine? Now, a yeah. lot of people have that reaction, um, some good, some bad. So yeah. I really had to keep that in check. Like, okay, I can't leave this, you know, one ceremony and start facilitating for others. That's not my role, yeah. but I need to figure out what my role in this is. Yeah. Fascinating. So let's talk about the integration sort of experience and process, you know, both for you and then kind of general. Uh, I mean, what, I guess maybe define for us a little bit from your point of view, what are we talking about when we talk about integration? What is integration's role and how like, I guess, formulaic standard is it for folks versus, you know, custom based on individual people and their experiences and what came up and, and what they need to do with it. Give, give us a little overview from your point of view. Yeah. You know, for me, integration was a solo project. They offered it. The group that I was with has weekly calls to do integration or actually weekly meetups. But since I'm not in that location, uh, it, was, it would be difficult for me to do that. So I was kind of solo. And all of the integration, you know, all the times I've participated in plant medicine since, it's been a solo process. When I look at it, like, how would I handle integration for someone? It's really about the participant making meaning of what happened. I don't make meaning for them. As a coach, uh, that's probably the, one of the worst things you can do is say, oh, oh, that, you know, they're describing the situation and say, oh, it probably means this. No, you allow that person to come up with their own meaning, mm -hmm. meaning yeah. but you guide the process. So, you know, key questions for me would be like, what did you capture or take away from your experience? What does this mean for you? Yeah. Has anything shifted in you? Do you have new awarenesses around things? Yeah. Is there something you want to put into your life coming out of this? And then out of those types of questions, it's, I wouldn't say it's formulaic. It really depends on the individual. Some people I could, you know, this, this happens for a lot of people. It may be this, now they need to go into therapy. This has unlocked something and they should yeah. work with a trained therapist. Mm -hmm. If it's not that depth of trauma, but there's other things like, you know, I noticed coming out of it, I have these behaviors or habits that I don't want. They're no longer sure. serving me. Okay. 
then how do we co-create practices? Um, so you put it into practice in a meaningful way over a series of either weeks or months so that it becomes ingrained. I think too often people have these deep experiences, but don't have either access to integration or just ignore that process. And it's kind of a blip on the radar. Yeah, that was amazing. I changed a little bit, but now I've re-entered into my life and things kind of fall away. Yeah. Well, you just, you go back to the old patterns. Yep. Absolutely. You know, the the context is incredibly powerful. And if you just go back to the same context, you'll, you'll just behave the same way. And in terms of, I guess the, the, the integration kind of process, is there any kind of like stages to it? Is it really kind of dependent on the person? I guess, when do you start the integration process? Like if you look at it kind of as a a therapeutic journey, like, is there Mm -hmm. any kind of plan structure kind of to how you approach this or how people approach it? Yeah. I I see some overlap into like traditional coaching. The the type of coaching that I do is presence-based coaching developed by Doug Silsby. And really what that is, is about cultivating awareness. So somebody coming out of one of these journeys, plant medicine journeys, you know, I would say start integration as soon as possible, as soon as Mm -hmm. you feel it. The least, you know, a lot of these groups start the integration process the day, the morning after a journey. But what does that look like? And the way I see it is probably once a week for either half an hour or an hour and building awareness around what came out of this. What did you notice about yourself? What now has shifted and, and means something to you? Once you have that and you do that investigation, then it becomes, usually there's revelations that come out of it. You're waking up to yourself. And then from that, you start to develop practices. What habits, what behaviors, what changes do you want to make? What kind of yeah. goals do you have around this? Yeah. Establishing those, putting them into practice, and then kind of finishing with what's long-term look like? How do you hold on to these things so that they become your new habits? When the old habits, old behaviors come up, you recognize that as soon as possible. Your awareness rises quickly, and then you're able to counter it with, no, this is, this is the way I want to be now. I, it can, it's different for everyone. Some people may only need a couple of months of integration. Other people, it might be longer. I know that there's a, we talk a lot about this in my class that I'm going through, the course I'm, I'm taking, that some people just kind of get addicted to the experience. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that's Chase not it. where the, yeah, yeah, that's not where the real work is. The real work is taking what you've learned and putting it into, into practice, into your daily life. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm curious in terms of your practice and business, you mentioned that you're primarily working with kind of entrepreneurs, founders, uh, is your intention here or plan to bring in kind of psychedelic therapy, uh, psychedelic, you know, kind of processes into the work that you're doing with the people that you're working with? Is this going to be a, a separate branch? Are you looking to transition into this? Like, how does this, you know, kind of play into your business model, the people that you want to serve and the work that you want to do with them? Yeah. So a great question and one that I've been giving a lot of thought to. Um, the way I see it right now, so this does come up. My clients do bring this topic up to me yeah. and will say, hey, I'm interested in this. Do you know anything about it? And I'll say, oh, well, actually, you know, it's not something that I, a lot of times, I, you know, if, if I'm working with a client, I'll, I won't say, oh, by the way. So it'll come up naturally. I did do an announcement that I'm open to doing integration coaching. So that's that's raised a little bit of awareness. But 
the way I see it working is if I have a client who comes to me and usually what happens is they're, they're struggling with some aspect of their business, yeah. um, in either the way they're showing up or the way the business is working or not working. We, na- you know, we work through that, but so much of it is how are you showing up as a person? What matters to you? How are you getting in your own way? And I see if psychedelics can help open them up to give them a new perspective of how they're operating, then it makes sense to have that in my business. I don't right now, obviously I will not facilitate. Um, Mm -hmm. That's many years down the road, if at all. There's so much training that is needed to be able to do that. And so that would be, you know, how do I apprentice? Do I apprentice with a group and I fly somewhere and learn all of that stuff? You know, it's too messy at this point. But really what I see is if somebody that I'm working with, they're interested in it, I could connect them to a trusted network and say, okay, here are the people that you should go do these plant medicines with you. Yeah. If, you know, so you choose. And then I can help when you get back. I can help with setting intention before you go. So you're really clear on why you're doing this. And then the post work, what, you know, what does it mean to you? How does this make your life better, happier? I think that's really what it comes down to. How do we use these things to heal the the wounds and also open up new realms of consciousness? I know it sounds wooey, but I experienced it. It was very conscious expanding and for me, very spiritual. And I'm not, I haven't been a spiritual person. Mm -hmm. I'm practicing Buddhist, but it's mostly the, the mindfulness as- yeah. aspects of Buddhism. And this yeah. really opened me up to, now there's something deeper here. Yeah. I, so let, let me ask about that. I mean, I, I like, I get it. It, it is, you know, quite woo woo, but you know, also like, I just see so many people, you know, engaging in this process and these experiences, uh, you know, for kind of professional performance, fairly rational reasons. I mean, not necessarily looking for a spiritual experience or a spiritual <laughs> awakening, you know, but, but having, you know, but being drawn to it in different ways. I mean, do you feel like this is, do you, do you feel like this is going to create a generation or, or a group of professionals that are more kind of spiritually awakened? Or do you feel like this is kind of psychedelics kind of becoming more professional and performance tools? Like, I, I guess, how do you see these kind of worlds intersecting or evolving as we go forward? Yeah. I, just from my own experience, the people I've talked to, people who are, you know, there was a really fascinating piece of research that Roland Griffiths uh, from Johns Hopkins presented. I went to the Psychedelic Science Conference in Denver yeah. uh, in June, and one of his slides just blew me away. The, you know, they took kind of the do you believe consciousness is in, and I'm, I'm butchering this right now, but it's, you know, is consciousness in people, plants, animals, rocks, whatever. And then yeah. they measured that. And so they did that before people had one of these plant medicine ceremonies, journeys, and then they measured it afterwards. And the increase in people saying, yes, it is possible that consciousness uh, is in plants. It could potentially be in rocks increased tremendously. Yeah. So I think it's just, it's one of the byproducts. And so if you go into it thinking, well, I'm going to do this for performance, you know, I want to be a better leader, better professional. I think one of the the side effects of this is potentially have a greater understanding of your, of spirit and your own spirituality. Uh, they brought Aaron Rodgers to come talk. Aubrey Marcus interviewed him 
And you could sense in what he was saying, he went into this work trying to become a better athlete. And through it, I think it definitely increased his connection to spirit. Yeah, fascinating. Matthew, this has been a pleasure. If people want to find out more about you, more about the work that you're doing, what's the best way to get that information? Yeah, my website is Prairie Sattva. It's the name of my coaching practice, and that's P-R-A-I-R-I-E-S-A-T-T-V-A.com. You can connect with me there. Also connect with me on LinkedIn uh, at Matthew Helt. Right. I'll make sure that the handles and the URL and the show notes so people can get that information. Highly encourage people to check it out with all that. Matthew, thank you so much for taking the time today. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thank you so much, Bruce. Thank you for listening to the Psychedelic Invest Podcast. If you liked this episode, please be sure to leave a five-star rating and leave us a review. You can find more episodes on all the major podcasting platforms and our website at psychedelicinvest.com slash podcast. <laughs>